Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. There are other elements to, you know, the Holy Spirit within our lives and in and upon and, and all that type of stuff. We can cover that at another time. But just the basics, the essential of like the Holy Spirit in us happens to our faith in Jesus Christ. We can also say the Holy Spirit upon us, uh, that's that's from Jesus too, okay? That's just from Jesus as well, all right? He's the one who, who can pour out in abundance the Holy Spirit upon you, right? We saw that in the beginning of Acts, Acts chapter two. In today's message, Pastor James will share with you that when you accept Jesus as your Lord and personal Savior, not only are you cleansed from your sins, you're given a helper. While your past sins are no more, that doesn't mean that you won't make mistakes ever again. But God in His wisdom gave a helper to Christians, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a part of the Trinity that lives inside of Christians and acts as a guide to the world around you. Through the Spirit, there is gifts, wisdom, and a nearness to God. Now here's Pastor James in the book of Galatians chapter 3 with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. Just point people to Jesus. Jesus. Talk about how beautiful he is. Talk about how amazing he is. Talk about how great the fact that he died on the cross for mankind, all of mankind, and how simple it is just to surrender to him and to follow him. I got caught up, I, and it's, again, my tendency is, is a works-oriented mentality. I mean, that's just, oh, I've always been that way, and I don't know why, but I've always been that way, and I, I get caught up in that mindset too of like, well, if I'm not performing, if I'm not doing this, if I didn't do my morning devos, then man, I I don't think God's mad at me, but man, he surely is not pleased with me, right? And all this stuff. And it's like, no, 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 stop that. Relation, it's relationship. It's relationship. You wake up in the morning or you stay up at night to do your devos because you want to spend time with Jesus because he's your savior. It's that simple. It's It's that beautiful. That's it, right? You go and serve the Lord because, well, because he's your savior. And you're not worried about the scorecard. You're not worried about like, well, if I don't do these things, then no, 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 no. Jesus, man, you told me to follow you, so I'm going to follow you. Where do you want me to go? What do you want me to do? Who do you want me to talk to? You're going to have to give me the words because I don't always have the words. And it's just a simple relationship thing. And that's what Paul's driving home with these guys. He's like, look, it's not about... The exterior things. It's not about the circumcision. It's not about the dietary stuff. It's not about that stuff. It's about simply a relationship with Jesus, pure and simple. That's it. You follow him because you love him. That's it. And you'll continue to follow him if it is based on love because that works thing, it'll burn you out faster than anything else. Because you're, you're trying to keep score and Jesus is up in heaven thinking like, I'm not keeping score. I'm not, but here's the the lie of the enemy. Satan, if he can't steal your salvation, which he can't, if he can't stop you from going to heaven, he will work to make your life a living hell here on earth by by placing that thing of works on you. His goal is to make you the most miserable Christian on this planet, which equals an ineffective Christian. Miserable Christians equal ineffective Christians, and they're bad witnesses. 
And that's his goal. That's the enemy's goal because he can't, he, he can't, he's, he's lost you. You once were on his team, but he's lost you to the other side. So his whole purpose and goal within your life is to make you absolutely miserable the whole way until you get to heaven. Your goal is to wake up every morning and say, you know what, Jesus, I have so much to be thankful for. I have so much to be grateful for. Yeah, there's a virus. Um, it's, it, it's a real thing. Uh, people are really getting sick. People are losing jobs, all that stuff. But you know what, Jesus, you're still king of kings, Lord of lords, you're still on the throne, and I'm going to follow you. I have so much to be joyful about. That's your goal as a believer. Each and every morning you wake up and you can carry about your joy within your heart, regardless of circumstances. It is possible. So he's going on. He's moving on through this thing. Um, he goes on to say, verse 10, but those who depend on the law to make them right with God are under his curse. For the scriptures say, cursed is everyone who does not observe uh, and obey all, the key word there is all, the commands that are written in God's book of the law. Well, good luck on that, okay? If you want to live your life based on the law, good luck. There's like 600 and some odd laws. So, you know, make a really good list, hang it on your entire refrigerator door because it's going to take up that much space, I'm sure. And each and every morning and each and every moment of each and every day, revisit that thing to make sure you're not breaking one of those things. Because if you break one, deal's off. The deal's off. We can even just, just do the Ten Commandments. Even if you just break one of those, done. You're done. It's, it's over. And now you think back and you're like, well, I've been on this planet. I have been on this planet for 41 years. And it's like, man, if I'm only concerned about that right now, there was a lot of years where I was not concerned about keeping the law, and I broke a lot of those things. So I was disqualified long ago. In fact, you're born into this, into this planet, you're already disqualified. You're a sinner. It's only a matter of time before you break one of the laws. What Paul is saying here is like, look, if you want to live by that, well, that's fine. Um, the reality is, if you break one, you've lost. Game over. So you can keep doing that. You're only going to get frustrated. You're only going to get frustrated. It's and especially as a believer, it's just you're going to burn out. You will burn out. You, you can't make it by trying to live up to the law and its standards. So he goes on to say, curses everyone who doesn't obey all the laws that are written in God's book of the law. Verse 11. So it is clear that no one can be made right with God by trying to keep the law. It's clear. It's crystal clear. For the scriptures say it is through faith that a righteous person has life. Okay, it's through faith. You want life, you want life abundantly, that is only accomplished through your faith in Jesus Christ. That's it. That's it. Is the law, then, you know, the, the question that's going to come up is like, well, then what's the point of the law? Then why do we even have this thing? He'll answer that in a second. But it's clear that the only way, the only way as far as life, and we're talking about eternal life here, it's through faith in Jesus. For the scriptures say it's through faith that a righteous person has life. This way, this way of faith is very different from the law, which says it is through obeying the law that a person has life, which we know is it's just impossible. You can't do it. And even those who think they are doing it, they're not doing it. And we have the whole Old Testament read it. If it were possible, if it were at all possible, why was the sacrificial system established? Why did so many animals have to be slaughtered if keeping the law was actually possible? See, it was even built into the system itself. God was already communicating to these guys like, look, you can't do this on your own. You can't. And there are not enough animals on this planet 
to cover the sins of mankind. There's not. So he already had a plan, and he talked about it long before the law was even was even uh, published, so to speak. Verse 13, but Christ has rescued us. Praise God for that. Christ has rescued us. This is that, this is that, that reconciliation mission that Jesus is on. Your only hope is Jesus. Your only hope is him as your rescuer. That's it. He's rescued us from the curse pronounced by the law. When he was hung on the cross, he took upon himself the curse for our wrongdoing. Cursed is everyone who dies on a tree, right? We're going to see that. He says, curses as the scriptures, uh, it's written in the scriptures, curses everyone who is hung on a tree. Through Christ Jesus, God has blessed the Gentiles with the same blessing he promised to Abraham so that we who are believers might receive the promised Holy Spirit through faith, through faith, okay? So that, that's, that's the, the blessing here. It's not about through performance. And the moment you surrender your life to Jesus, the moment you, you wave that white flag, so to speak, the Holy Spirit takes up residence inside of you, okay? He is the one who indwells you, right? So you have the Holy Spirit. That's, that's part of this faith in Jesus. The third person of the, this holy trinity that we believe in, God the Father, God the Son, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit. Well, the Holy Spirit takes up residency or occupancy within, your, within you, okay? But that only happens through faith in Jesus Christ. It doesn't happen through your, your performance or anything like that, okay? So just so we're clear on that. Um, there are other elements to, you know, the Holy Spirit within our lives and in and upon and, and all that type of stuff. We can cover that at another time. But just the basics, the essential of like the Holy Spirit in us happens through our faith in Jesus Christ. We can also say the Holy Spirit upon us, uh, that's, that's from Jesus too, okay? That's, that's from Jesus as well, all right? He's the one who, who can pour out in abundance the Holy Spirit upon you, right? We saw that in the beginning of Acts, Acts chapter 2. So he goes on to say, dear brothers and sisters, here's an example from everyday life, Right? He says, just as no one can, can set aside or amend an irrevocable agreement or a covenant, uh, so it is in the case, in this case. God gave the promise to Abraham and his child. And notice that the scripture doesn't say to his children, but it says to his child. Well, which child is that? Well, it's, it's, we know. Um, now there's debate on that. Is it Ishmael? No, it's not Ishmael. Um, it's not Ishmael. It was, it was his son Isaac, okay? So it was to Abraham, to Isaac, and it says, and notice, it doesn't, not to his children, but to his child, as if it meant many descendants, okay? Rather, it says to his child, and that, of course, means overall, Jesus, the heir who would come, in a sense, the seed who would come later on, okay? So yeah, he, the promise was carried on through from Abraham to Isaac and all that stuff, but ultimately, you go back into that story, you'll see that the promise really was pointing, always pointing to the seed, which would be Jesus. It was always pointing to Jesus. By way of this guy and that guy, all that stuff, but it, it, it ends at Jesus. It stops at Jesus. That was, you can even go back into Genesis chapter 3. It was already hinted there, okay? He goes on to say, um, verse 17, this is what I'm saying, or trying to say, the agreement God made with Abraham could not be canceled 430 years later when God gave the law to Moses, okay? God would be breaking his promise, for if the inheritance could be received by keeping the law, then it would not be 
uh, the result of accepting God's promise. But God graciously gave it to Abraham as a promise. So it's not like this promise was to uh, kind of just be in effect until the law came. And then once that came, then it just done away, it did away with the promise. That's not how it works. God's promise still remained. Here's the question. Verse 19. So then why do we even have the law? So why, why, why make the law? It says it was given alongside the promise to show people their sins. But the law was designed to last only until the coming of the child who was promised, that's Jesus. God gave his law through angels to Moses, who was the mediator between God and people. It says now a mediator is helpful if more than one party must, be re- or must reach an agreement. But God, who is one, did not use a mediator when he gave his promise to Abraham. Okay? Now that's uh, verse 20 is, um, uh, is one of the most just contested verses in the Bible. As far as like commentators, there's over like, one guy has down, there's over 300 different like interpretations of what this verse means, which is insane for one verse. Okay? Basically, and that's why I appreciate the New Living Translation, because it really just boils it down, because I don't know if you're reading yours and you're like, well, I don't, it's simply this. Um, look, God instituted the law. When he delivered the law, he gave it to Moses and, you know, Mount Sinai and all that good stuff. There was the, you know, Moses was like the mediator between God and the nation of Israel. But before that, concerning this promise, it was just God and Abraham. That was it. There's no, it was just God and Abraham. He's like, look, Abraham, here's the deal. Um, you're, the Messiah is going to come through your family. I'm going to make a great nation out of you guys, uh, but the, the promised one is going to come out of your family, and your family will be, and, and your family and this promise will be a blessing to all nations. All right? And they, they so to speak, they, they shook on it by way of Abraham walking through a bunch of, you know, animals that were split in half, okay? So that was, the covenant was, it was signed, sealed. I mean, there's no breaking this thing. And that was, that was between God and his friend Abraham. So why the law then? Well, the law is simply just to show us that, well, we're sinners. We're sinners. We need a savior. From the very beginning, it was, it was there to, now there were, there were aspects of the law, in case you don't understand the Old Testament. Um, the children of Israel were coming out of Egypt and going into the promised land, and there were people occupying the promised land, uh, living their lives in such a way that was unhealthy, number one, okay, um, harmful, to humanity, the other side of that. Uh, and, and so part of the, even the laws and stuff, it was there as a, it was a benefit to the nation of Israel. They're going into this promised land, and God's like, look, you can't live like these guys. Okay, because even if these guys keep living the way they are, they're not going to make it. They're not going to make it. They're killing each other. They're killing their babies. They're doing, their, you know, they're doing all this stuff, and it's just detrimental to society itself. So God throws out these laws for part of the laws are really to show Israel how to like, how to live in one sense, but then also how to live with each other. You, you shouldn't be killing each other. Murder is bad. Murder is wrong. Murder is wrong. Murder is always wrong. Um, you shouldn't covet. You should have no other gods before me, meaning God should be the... When it comes to that, God is on the, he's on the pedestal. He's on, he's number one, numero uno, right? None, no, no one else other than him. And the, those lists, I mean, everything with, that was there was to benefit the individual, but then also to benefit the, the individual's neighbor, right? And so if everybody's doing this stuff, quote unquote, then they would be okay, so to speak. Um, now, again, 
the law, it, it, its intent was not to, it's not so much to get them to heaven. It's just to show them like, look, you know, I'm going to throw out all this stuff, um, but you guys aren't going to be able to do it. You're not going to be able to do it. You won't keep, you're not going to keep any of it. Jesus showed up on the scene and, and he communicated to the Pharisees. He's like, look, you guys don't even understand what you think you're living. Because you say it's wrong to murder, and you guys all think you're, you're not guilty of murder, but when you hate somebody in your heart, then you, you, you've murdered them. It's the same thing. It's the same thing. Hatred towards a, another human being, it, it's, it is murder. And just so we understand that, that's a tremendous sin against God. I hope we understand it, especially in light of our even recent news. I mean, a young man got murdered, hunted, technically, was hunted down. So what's the big deal about it? This is a guy who's made in the image of God. So when we hunt down other human beings, especially if it's based on skin color, if we murder people, and regardless, of, regardless, if we're willing to murder people, that's a direct sin against God because human beings are created in the image of God. That's an assault on God. I hope we understand that what murder is because I think sometimes we just, we hear it so much and it's sad, it's tragic. And sometimes we, could be, we become so dull and so numb to these things like, oh, another person got murdered in Houston. Oh, another person. No, no, no. This is, these are attacks against God himself because humanity, you and I, regardless of ethnicity or any of that stuff, we're made in the image of God. That's why everybody matters. Your lives are valuable. Your lives are precious. And, and Jesus showed up and told the Pharisees, he's like, you guys are more guilty of murder than anybody else because you hate so many people. You're guilty of adul or, or adultery. Well, we've never been with anybody other than our, our spouses. Yeah, but you lust in your heart, so that makes you guilty of it. See, they never thought about these things in those terms, but that was always the intent from God. And he's like, it's not, a, it's not the physical thing. It's what's happening internally inside of you. That's kind of what matters. And you might be thinking you're doing a good job, but internally, you're failing miserably. So the law is just, it's there to, to, to reveal to us that, man, you, you just... You just don't got it. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who realize you are spiritually bankrupt apart from Jesus. You don't, you're, you're bankrupt. You got nothing. You got nothing. Well, I've been to church every single Sunday. Well, okay, cool. Doesn't mean anything. Sweet. That doesn't get you anything. Apart from Jesus, we're spiritually bankrupt people, meaning we need Jesus each and every day, each and every moment of each and every day. The law just comes alongside as it's going to be likened here to a, to a tutor. It's going to just point us to Jesus saying, look, you're, you're busted. You, you, you got nothing. You got nothing. Here's the good news. The one who satisfied the law has freely offered this, this tremendous gift to you. No strings attached. Place your faith in him. Just follow him. Give your life to him. And there you go. Live free. Set free, live free, right? So that's why the law was given. It's to expose people of the fact that we're all sinners. I, I appreciate, you know, uh, Ray Comfort and Kurt Cameron, guys like that, uh, Living Waters Ministries. A lot of times when they're sharing the gospel out with people, they, they'll use the Ten Commandments. Why? Because they just want to simply show that, look, if, it's, if you get into heaven, which a lot of people think they're going to heaven, if you just simply go through the Ten Commandments, like, well, I mean, have you ever stolen anything? Well, yeah. I mean, everybody's stolen something, I'm sure. You know, I'm kind of guilty of it. I know I'm guilty of it. Um, 
my, my kids are always discovering just about how bad of a sinner I was. Um, always. But, okay, well then, then you've broken the law. And if the standard is you break one of these things, you can't go to heaven, well then what are you going to do with that? Have you ever lied before? Well, of course. We, you have to lie, right? <laughs> like, you have to lie. That's kind of how we're conditioned. You have to lie. Well, okay, but it says you, you, you can't lie. Have you ever murdered anybody? Well, of course not. I've never murdered anybody. Well, you've hated somebody? Well, yeah, guilty. So what are you going to do with that? So based off of this, you know, they always go through the thing, you're a lying, thieving, murderer, you know, like, and you stand before God, well, what's he going to, based on, you know, your, your performance, what's he going to say? Well, you can't come in. But here's a lying, thieving, murderer who will stand before Jesus and he's going to say, hey, I'm so glad you're here. Well done. Well done, good and faithful sir. Get in here. Like, give me a hug, right? No worries about COVID. None of that stuff. Let's embrace. Let's hug. It's going to heaven's it, Just one more way, reason to appreciate heaven, right? This virus has shown us so many reasons to appreciate heaven. Um, it's because it's based on what he has done for us. He satisfied the demands of the law. He died on the cross for us. He was hung on that tree for us. That's, that's what it comes down to. Your freedom comes through that one act of Jesus. Your freedom from the law, your freedom from sin. If sin's got you beat down, you, need to, you just need to turn back to Jesus. It's as simple as that. If legalism has you beat down, you need to turn back to Jesus. Uh, whatever, it, if, if something in this life has you under its control, you, just, you simply need to just turn back to Jesus. And, and I can communicate, communicate to you with 100% confidence that he's standing there just waiting for you to embrace you. You're like, but what's he going to think? No, no, no. He already knows. He already knows. But I, I, it's too far. I've gone too far. No, you haven't. You haven't. There's, there's no such thing as too far when it comes to turning back to Jesus. There's no such thing. He says, we have this opportunity to live as free people within this life. It doesn't mean you'll never sin. That's not what it's talking about. But you don't have to be controlled by sin. It's no longer your master. That's part of that surrendering to Jesus is you, have, you serve a new master. The text goes on to say, I'll pick up in verse 31 there. It says, is there a conflict then between God's law and, and his promise? Of course not. Of course not. Absolutely not. If the law could give us new life, we could be made right with God by obeying it. But it can't, and we can't, so it's just not going to happen. It says, but the scriptures declare that we, we are all prisoners of sin, so we receive God's promise of freedom only by believing in Jesus. There you go. You want freedom? You want to be set free? Trust Jesus. Surrender to Jesus. That's it. But practically, what does that mean for me? Well, that means welcome to the fight and just keep fighting. Not in your own strength. But the spirit who lives inside of you, well, you need to just let that spirit fight for you, okay? So that's the thing. I can't, you know, I, I know sometimes I'm one of those guys who's like, okay, yeah, I, that's cool, but give me some practical things. Like, what do I do? Well, read your Bible every day. Read your Bible. Like, start there. Not because you have to, but because you want to. Read your Bible. Pray. Pray all the time. All the time. I don't know how to pray. Do you know how to talk? Yes. We all know how to talk. And it's choppy at times thanks to text messaging, right? But you can even use 
tech speak when you're talking to God. He gets it. He's very smart. Thanks for joining us today on Bread for the Broken with Pastor James Grizzle. Pastor James has been teaching through the book of Galatians, a New Testament letter penned by the Apostle Paul. Its lessons on unity and holiness may have been written long ago, but these truths can still be applied in your life today. We pray that you've been encouraged by the messages you've heard on Bread for the Broken. If you'd like to hear more teachings from Pastor James on this topic, you can visit our website today at breadforthebroken.com. Do you live in the Galveston area, and are you looking for a church home? We'd be honored to have you join us at Calvary Galveston this Sunday at 10 a.m. We're a laid-back church, and we encourage you to simply come as you are. You can get directions to our church and more information at breadforthebroken.com. If you're not able to come in person, that's okay. We're streaming our weekly services on Facebook Live. Just search for Calvary Galveston. Before our time with you is over for the day, we want to ask you a question. Would you partner with us here at Bread for the Broken? We'd be honored if you'd pray with us for everyone who's listening to this program, that God would open their hearts and minds to His truth. Would you also pray about partnering with us financially? All donations are appreciated, no matter the size. You can give securely online at breadforthebroken.com. Thanks for coming alongside us to share the gospel message. And thanks for listening today to Bread for the Broken. Let me paint the picture of you, man, who I love, man, and give me.